0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Virtual Physician Mentors. I'm Dr. Sheena Booba. I'm Dr. Benicia Williams. And together, we are...
1: Shanisha. 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 Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, today we have our good friend, Dr. Jason
1: Williams. He is... Jason Williams? (laughs) We're just messing. All of us. We're all... Our good friend, Dr.
0: Jason Miller. um, Yeah, Shanisha, Jason Williams, that's how how it was. we were also known as the dream team. We all went to residency together. um, Just the three of us were in in one year. So Dr. Miller, Jason is um, the medical director at an inpatient rehab facility and he also works in the same organization where we train. So we'll go into a little bit of detail about that and some of the pros and cons and kind of Dr. Miller's jersey journey through all that. So <laughs> jersey, jersey, jersey. jersey and journey yes.
1: <laughs> and let me put this out there that I have a dream team jersey as well, but when I moved out of Dallas, it is in storage. So that's how into it ourselves we <laughs> <start> <laughs> got these for us when we graduated.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, we're yeah, so excited I to have you it. on, okay. Yay. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, tell you us more.
0: I haven't
2: seen you in so long.
1: I know the <laughs> pandemic. We usually try to do stuff a couple times a year, but like, so the pandemic has really killed it for us. So, I'm glad that we are able to catch up this way. Yep that's the fun part about the fun cast this podcast i call it the fun cast we are making all sorts of new words today that was a good one fun cast (laughs) um so i we know all about you but jason please tell our um viewers about yourself your educational journey where you're from and all the fun stuff so
2: i'm from southern california i went to high school in Huntington Beach, went to college in Orange at Chapman University, where I majored in exercise science. Uh, then I went and was a trainer and a therapist for eight years before going back to medical school, where I went to um, the College of Osteopathic Medicine of the Pacific in Pomona, and got my DO degree, did my internship in Long Beach at uh, Pacific Hospital in Long Beach, and then Moved out to Dallas to finish my human residency at Baylor Dallas. All
1: right. And you played baseball in college, right?
2: I did, I
0: played baseball. Yes, Jason. And now I'm playing golf.
1: He's like a semi-professional, I already know what the is gonna be for the last question, but <laughs> he's a semi-professional golfer. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, as we alluded to in the intro,
0: we all went to a very small residency program where it was three per year, um, so nine total. And so, what was your experience like, Jason, being part of a small program, and how did you get along with this?
1: <laughs> That's crazy, chicks. <laughs> I
2: felt, yeah, I felt like the uh, the small program was a very you know family-like atmosphere. Um, I felt very connected to the senior year, you know, the senior residents when we started, and felt like they um, passed on a lot of knowledge to us that was very helpful getting into um, the residency and then um, especially going to one outside of the state of issues
1: oh, We're having an interviews
2: and I think we clicked really well you know from early on where we got I mean we got to spend a lot of time together our first year, uh, doing inpatient at BIR. And so we were, we were there to to support each other. And, um, then as we got older to share that knowledge (laughs) and encourage raise up our uh,
0: babies,
2: (laughs) uh, (laughs) which some of them needed lots of raising, (laughs) but it was, uh, yeah, it was very, um, supportive atmosphere and, and even the doctors, it, being a relatively small uh, staff that we trained with too, you know, they were all very invested in each and every one of us because they could be, you know, with only nine residents. So I felt like that was it was good for you know for all of us and uh, them encouraging us in our separate paths that we would take, you know, but they knew which you know what we liked what uh, we would excel at and try to help us do do that, you know, to the best of our ability.
1: For sure, there's no slacking off in a small program. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, Dr. Sika and Dr. Chung on um, a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about how fast Dr. Chung was with the notes and he'd be like, I'm gonna start from the top, you start from the bottom. And he would always beat you, like, no matter how fast <laughs> you were. Oh, our number one fan's on, hi.
0: Kelly,
1: hi Kelly.
0: I'm like acting like I don't see her. nicest. <laughs> <laughs> she <says> <laughs> I know. I'm sad I don't Thank have um, her. <laughs> and we've talked about this in the past too. Kind of one of the big benefits of being part of a small program is you get to study with each other. And for when we were studying for our boards, we just split up. You know, Cucarillo and some of the other resources, and just met up every month and reviewed a chapter together. And just that closeness of just being able to get to know each other through those three years kind of really brought us through and you know, we're all different yeah. we have you know different beliefs and all sorts of stuff whatever but we still support each other and so that's kind of awesome to have so
1: yeah I know we really I don't think personality wise it could have matched up any better than us three that's why I'm still convinced we were the best class I ever came <laughs> <laughs> drinking <laughs> <laughs> Um, so jason you clear, now you work with um all the attendings that trained us what did when you started looking for a job um what were you looking for and how did your current job opportunity come up
2: well i was looking for something where i can do a mixture of inpatient and outpatient you know i thought coming into residency that i would want to focus just on outpatient you know musculoskeletal because that was my background doing um, Personal training and massage therapy, uh, sports training, and that sort of thing. But I really grew to like um, neuro rehab, and you know the different aspects of dealing with stroke patients, as well as the the orthopedic patients too. So I did um, come to love inpatient medicine, but I I did want to keep up my skills with outpatient as well. So. I was looking for something that would give me a mixture of both, uh, and then also starting out, I knew that inpatient would be a little bit more consistent. At the time when you're trying to build an outpatient practice, you know, very early on, it can take a while. So uh, having work to do while you're trying to build up that outpatient practice, so that's having what Having butts I was in
1: beds pays bills, huh? <laughs> yeah. I said, having butts in beds pays bills. <laughs> yeah. And that,
2: that's very so, good. Very good advice. Yeah. When I was starting to look for a job, I asked um, program director where if they knew of any jobs, and I asked other you know docs that I worked with, some in California and some out in Texas, and just looked at some of the different opportunities because um, I figured I wasn't if I was going to leave Texas, it would be just to go back to California. To where my family is, but uh, I looked at the different opportunities, and the one at Grapevine seemed to to suit my needs the best, and where I felt that I would fit in, and my skills would be, you know, best used uh, at that time. So, and also opportunity for growth there as well. So,
1: and I talk about this like inpatient rehab is different. Like in an academic setting where you have the residents all the time versus like a community inpatient rehab, right? Um, right. I liked the community. Like, I, you know, I cover, in, I'm on inpatient rehab right now. That's where I was this morning. And um, I enjoyed that a lot more than I did like the academic side of it for some reason. Um, but maybe it was because I was in residency and that probably made it <laughs> yeah. When you get paid to do <laughs> that, you tend to enjoy things a lot better.
2: Well, you know, when you have a little bit more control over your schedule yes. and everything that, yes. uh, yeah. make it, you know, you can make it your
1: own. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're on Definitely. your own schedule, for sure. Because I'm like, I woke up at 5.30 a.m. this morning. I was like, I'm just going go around right now. I might as well get <laughs> done like, early. Yep. It's nice. All right,
0: Jason. So yep. tell us a little bit about, you know, this opportunity came up, but sometimes it's a little bit awkward in the sense of like, you know, negotiating contracts and when it's people that you worked with, then also, you know, and, you know, thinking, you know, whether or not are they going to be seeing you as the same level that you're in attending or they they still going to be thinking of you as, oh, one of, you know, their residents and like that. So, um, tell us a little bit about what went through your mind when, um, signing the contract and did you feel, know what were some of the pros and cons of working where where were you trained at because you know we have some pgy4s that will probably be watching this video and they're looking for jobs right now and and i'm sure there'll be opportunities in their own programs and what are some things that they should be looking out for
2: well i mean i think i was lucky in terms of i was very early on um in my fourth year where i started looking and had kind of narrowed it down. Uh so I made my decision before Thanksgiving, uh my senior year. So um because I think I looked at the offers and um, you know, looking just plainly at the offers, not who's given you the offer, you know, not taking it personally it is important, you know, um, but also knowing your worth and Talking to some other people to to find out what is competitive, and so you know not to not to um, sell yourself short what you could get, but uh, you know accepting what you can and would you know give up in terms of in exchange for other you know other perks or you know advantages. I would say. You know, um, so when looking at the different offers from, you know, big organizations or private, you know, maybe partnerships or private offices, you know, they're all going to have their pros and they're all going to have their cons. So just think about what is the most important to you. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't as much did I feel like they were giving me what I, what i deserved or what someone else tells me i deserve but uh you know, what is what is most important to me and am i getting that out of this this job and that you know that's what made the decision pretty much you know easy for me and in terms of working with the, the doctors that i train with you know i think i might have had a little bit of advantage because i was older coming into residency um, having a you know short previous career Um, but i mean i was older than some of the attendings i worked with i'm older than uh down and i'm older than steven so (laughs) um i felt like i was being treated as an equal you know at that time already you know as a senior resident so uh and that's why i think i was offered the medical director job that a lot of you know pgy4s might not be offered right out of uh, residency, um, but having some additional life experience, I think, you know, made them feel more comfortable with me and uh, offering me that
1: position. that role on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that our residency does a good job by the time you're PGY4 by kind of letting you run the show. Like when you're on inpatient on PGY4, like you are making the calls. They're like, what do you want to do? You'd be like, this one what I'm going to we'll do. They're like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. So um, I appreciated that. So, tell us, and uh, you talked a little bit about becoming a medical director, what exactly does that mean? What's your role? And then tell us walk us through like a week of your job, what your schedule looks like.
0: So
2: being the director at the inpatient unit at grapevine, i'm I basically get all the uh, referrals to that unit, and I have to you know review them and decide whether they're appropriate and um, And then you know, all that goes into looking at the monthly and yearly compliance data that gets reported to CMS for every inpatient rehab facility. So we have to have the you know 60% Medicare compliance rule, um, making sure that they that 60% of our Medicare or managed Medicare patients fit into one of the 13 rehab diagnoses. And then also that uh, all our patients are meeting the three-hour requirement or the 15 hours of therapy over seven days requirement. So that's you know I go over the compliance data with the you know with the liaison with the uh, admissions and that sort of thing, and then for the therapy compliance, I work with the therapy department on that. So. There are some, uh, sometimes it, it's hard to get patients in when you have to, uh, you're kind of toeing the edge on either of those, either you know the mm-hmm. 60% compliance because if you don't meet that for the year, then you could get audited by uh, Medicare, uh, uh, and to pay back yeah. uh, a bunch of money. Uh, and the same thing with the, the three hour compliance rule if they don't feel like you're taking appropriate patients that can do that, that are getting all the therapy that they're, that the facility is getting paid for, then uh, you might have to pay back a bunch of money to Medicare. Um,
1: and and I want to kind of just just chime in for some of our audience members and why psychiatrists are so key at that because it is our job to kind of look at a person's when you have a referral to inpatient rehab to review it and see if a person is appropriate because a lot of people are like oh why not just take anyone the reason we just don't take anyone is because cms will come in and <laughs> you will get in trouble by medicare if you do so it's important to be um, ethical but that is your job as a rehab doctor is to Find those
2: key patients that would benefit. Right. So uh, during the week, I have, you know, I go in and round usually in the morning, and sometimes I'll go to uh, trauma rounds and talk with the trauma team on patients that are that are there and looking with the the trauma surgeons and and the acute care therapists to try to help find the appropriate place for them to go Um, and then with our unit we have team conference twice a week and so we work on their discharge planning for when they're ready to go equipment they need and uh, for the therapy they need get all those things set up for so that they're you know ready to be successful when they get home and their families too what time does that usually? What time do you usually start rounding? Think? Uh, usually between eight and nine, and then uh, when I I'm usually done doing that in you know, a couple hours. But then I look at the new referrals who might be coming in in the afternoon, and uh, it's nice being able, you know, being able to see some of those that are in my hospital already. Uh, if they're if they're going to come, then I can see them before they get to the rehab unit. Uh, the other ones that are coming from outside hospitals, I usually wait until they get there and uh, see them, and then I'm done for the day.
1: Um, did the majority of your patients coming from your hospital? Would you say?
2: I'd say probably sixty forty right now. Okay, it was a lot more. Um, you know, when I first started, but we've gotten a lot of uh, other hospitals around now that send us quite That's a few good. referrals a month. So it's probably 60-40 uh, now.
1: That's good. That's really good. What's
0: your usual census? Um,
2: well, it was between 8 and 14, but now with COVID, we're limiting it a little bit more to because we can't uh, group as many patients as we normally do, mm-hmm. trying to keep everyone, you know, appropriate distances or so limited to 12 right now.
1: So, nice uh, day, I mean, we've
2: been last couple of months, we've been pretty busy. And so we've been between 10 and 12, um, a lot of the last few months.
1: I think that's a perfect number for me. Like yeah. we, I, we have 18 in our unit right now and I'm like, but like 10 i was like oh i can push through 10 i'm ready to get them done get them in and out i can go do outpatient clinic i can go see some acute consults but yeah that's a good uh, um sweet spot
2: yeah Um, with our our therapy staff is pretty small and mm -hmm. so um when we get up to 10 or 12 we have to get some help and yeah um so sometimes if that if that happens fast if we get like a bunch of admissions in just a couple days it's hard to find that help because they've you know the ones that we have a prn are um they're committed elsewhere right so sometimes it's hard but you know then there's days where we have four and we're trying to find work for our therapists to do
0: yeah
2: that's kind of why we can't keep a bigger uh bigger pool all the time is because we we maybe four patients for um you know a week or so and then the therapists don't have anything to do. So it's, yeah, eight to 10 is like the sweet spot. It keeps everyone busy and just maybe needing one or two therapists here or there to to help out, which we can usually find.
1: Um, Are you seeing any post COVID patients?
2: Yes, we've seen a few. Uh, Most of the ones that were treated, yeah, most of the ones that were treated at Grapevine and then some of them went to LTAC you know, for vent weaning, came back, um, saw some that were not on the bench so long uh, that were definitely in better shape, Um, but, you know, a lot of things that they're going to have going on for a while after recovering, when they had severe illness like those ones did.
1: Mm -hmm. It's crazy, like, the spectrum that I've seen, because, you know, I go to kindred LTAC, so it's, like, some of these patients, it's, saddest thing I've ever seen and you just never know no one exactly the same there's some are like anoxic yeah. brain injury some are critical illness myopathy and neuropathy it's just yeah. insane it's it, is.
2: Yeah.
1: it is it is if you guys have any questions um, let us know I do have a question tell us um, what's the benefit of being a medical director <laughs> we know the, the answer <laughs> you get a uh, Usually it's financial benefit, right? <laughs> for those that <I> don't know. <laughs> you do like yeah, a monthly. I, I
2: get a stipend for I mean, I get I bill for hours that I spend doing medical director.
1: Work, like administrative so, type stuff, right?
2: Right. So that's what I I mean, I get bill billed per month for that. So um
1: and you can carry multiple medical directorships. Like if, there's some doctors that go to like multiple different skilled nursing facilities. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice way to supplement your income. If you don't want, mind doing that administration, we're the medical directors at Medical City Fort Worth. So yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's nice supplement.
2: Yeah. You, there's definitely going to be some, some work to do there. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hoping that they continue to have physiatrists be the medical directors at all of those facilities.
1: Yeah, I I wonder about like my prediction is like inpatient rehab. I wonder if it's going to be around in 10 years because the way that insurance is dictating care.
2: It's ridiculous
1: it's getting out of hand it <laughs> is i feel like it's getting out of, like even like cms 13 i literally did a peer-to-peer the other day you guys and i was like i'm not really for sure why i'm doing this peer-to-peer i said this is a cms 13 criteria so this patient is a perfect ampatient rehab criteria and the peer-to-peer was like oh what's cms 13 i was like
0: yeah that's yeah like you hear all these stories on people posting on our facebook pages and stuff it's, it's ridiculous yeah, and I Hopefully was like, Are you we serious? have some groups out there vouching for us, A.A.P.M.R. And, and, and some others.
1: That uh, yeah, because yeah. it, it's like they, it's so many people just don't know what we do, but if you know what you do, we do, you realize what a service it is to have a and our doctor on your side. Like even for us to be able to see patients on the acute side is huge. Like it's nice when you have a referral coming from us because Jason will call me like, can you guys, he'll be like, can th- you please get a referral from Dr. Williams to go to the station? <laughs> <laughs> and I am like, yes I will. I'll go see you today. <laughs> nice. It's nice. All right. Any other questions, guys? Right now. I've been so quiet. I'll so go back and watch it. Um well, I'll ask our famous question. <laughs> Even though I know the answer. Um, if you were not a PNR physician, Jason, what would you be? And I want two different answers. I want one in medicine and one I know what the out of medicine medicine one would be. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think I told you when I was looking at what, what I should do. And deciding about medical school, I said, well, I'd like to be a professional golfer or a doctor, but I think someone will loan me the money to go back to medical school. I don't think they'll loan me the money to become a professional golfer. So (laughs) that is what I would do. And then uh, in medicine, I mean, I think the other thing I would want to do is be an orthopedic surgeon. I like fixing things with my hands, but... uh, when I was trying to decide in, in uh, medical school, I was like, my hands are kind of shaky sometimes, so maybe I don't want to <laughs> go and operate on people. But after seeing what they did with all the hammers and the saws and everything, I think, I think I could do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember the very first orthopedic um, surgery I scrubbed in on as a medical student, I was like, this is so barbaric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very little like
0: fine movement needed, unless you're doing like yeah. hand or something. Right, yeah. right.
2: Yeah, I did a cardiovascular surgery rotation. I was like, I'm, I couldn't do this, but this takes too much precision. But the knee replacements, I was like, I can do this. Done, <laughs> done.
1: <laughs> <had a> <laughs> right, it's carpentry.
2: Girl.
1: Yeah, Chism- you're a carpenter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. It's so funny. But
2: I like re- rehabbing them after they uh, have that done.
1: I think the lifestyle is a little bit better, too. <laughs> right, that's cool. Perfect. Yeah, it is. Um, no, I, I have a question. What advice would you give to people who are in residency now? And there, it is November. They should PGY four should start looking for a job Definitely. if you haven't. Um, what advice would you guys give them? This can kind of be like a group question. Start <laughs> if you haven't. <laughs> Number one.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at what. What are the aspects of the job that are most important to you? Is it uh, the location? Is it, uh, you know, schedule? Is it compensation? You know think about what's most important to you and then you know go from there look for the list of jobs that at least fit those and then find out what's uh you know what your next priority is You
0: mentioned, like, opportunity for growth too so that's a good question to ask when you're on interviews, whether in private practice, or if you're doing patient is there opportunities to become medical director or if you're doing academic kind of research and all that kind of stuff. So that's something that may not be on top of everyone's mind, but this is your career and you want to keep growing in your career. So what are some ways to
1: do that. So. And I think Jason brought it like a good place to start is your program director as asking for jobs, because Typically, they know, they're in the know, they talk to so many other program directors, so they'll know who's looking. It's always a good place to start. Um, Carter asked a question. Yep. You want to ask,
0: go ahead. How much of your outpatient practice, patient base, is a result of your inpatient work?
2: Um, It was probably 60%, 60, 70%. and then I started getting more, you know, referrals from family doctors and, you know, in the network and then uh, even some workers' comp uh, cases. Mm-hmm. But uh, probably 60 percent. Are you doing any uh, EMGs? Keeping me busy.
1: You doing any EMGs?
2: No, I wasn't then. I, I mean, I want to. Um, and Botox. And, yeah. But it, you get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: the equipment to my office to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Are you, Banesha, oh, Is that for your outpatient clinic? How you know, how many? Yeah. Uh, my outpatient percentage is probably like 10-15% from inpatient rehab. Inpatient. They usually go to, uh, Dr. Shaw will see most of those mm. for hers, um, but most of, yeah, most of mine is just from primary care referral. But actually, uh, There's like a few that I'm like very attached with from being on the cute side that will then follow up with me or I'll just happen to be like the only one that's on their insurance or if there's like a very specific date then they'll go ahead and follow me okay. but yeah the majority I would that it's like probably like 80 percent of uh, Dr. Shaw's is the follow-up from there for her
0: yeah.
1: but I it's like to discuss, she doesn't do Botox and but I will be this if it's Botox I will follow mm-hmm. up she'll send them to me for um spasticity management yeah but no it's like the perfect way to grow your outpatient if you can do both mm-hmm. absolutely
0: yep.
1: mm. good question they're rolling in
0: what do you wish that other medical specialties knew about the field of pmr in regards
1: to helping their patients send them to us before you send them to surgery
2: <laughs> sorry down.
1: You just say, you we just
2: don't we don't just write narco scripts
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes send to us before you send to any kind of orthopedic surgeon or yeah (laughs) let us try to get them they're the
0: experts in function and quality of life those are the two things that we stress out all the time and we try and get patients better when possible without surgery or with you know just using more conservative options so
1: and surgeons actually prefer it like we had a conversation with a neurosurgeon um recently on our podcast and like when they know when they have a patient coming from us Mm -hmm. they are having surgery (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like everything is teed up. They've done everything they've needed to to TMM. So yes, give um, the patient a chance because surgery should be the last option, not the first.
0: And learning how to say our name and what PMR stands for. It's not pain management in rehab.
1: It's not plenty medicine. of money in rehab. Yeah. In <laughs> <laughs> <And> relaxation. <laughs> physical medicine and rehab. And that's the thing. When you go out and practice, you
0: will know there are other physicians that don't even know what pm is. And so that will be don't really have a marketing and you'll have to either make presentations or just meet, you know, face to face with people and just kind of explain this is what you do. And once you do, they, they love it. Like
1: They do. I have a, um, I was telling Omar last week, I have a couple of pay, uh, my referrals. They have sent their spouses to see me. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's such a good feeling. I was like, Oh, they trust me with their family. Exactly. That's how you build your practice.
0: That yeah. start. Friends of friends and family mm-hmm. members,
1: and yeah. Yep, yeah, and just kind of saying yes to everything and trying to help everyone. And if you can't help them, that's fine, you know, but like sometimes it's just literally listening to what's wrong with the person because they've been brushed off by so many people. But I'm like, no, something's wrong. I might not know what it is, but I'm gonna try my hardest to figure it out for you. <laughs> and if I can't, then we'll get you in the right hands. But, but yeah. um What other question? Oh, so. She kind of brushed on it, but we, when it comes to studying for boards, you um, talked about earlier, we did a very unique thing and we highly stressed it to our underclassmen. I don't know if they did what we did, but they weren't the dream team. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we were such nerds. We started uh, July of our PGY4 year. We took, because there was 12 chapters of Cucarilla, we split it up and we made an outline and every month never failed. We studied and reviewed it. So when we took our in-service exam, literally our scores were one point, like it was like someone got <laughs> this one, this one, <laughs> which it was good because um, Dr. Hamilton's like, well, clearly we know you guys and <laughs> studying together.
0: And yeah. yeah, if you have like a, if you go to a residency program with a large group, like if there's like nine in your class, just find, you know, one or two people that you get along with really well and you study well with and connect use them as your as your study buddies
1: yeah because in being because it's such a huge part of your residency we spent so much time with each other especially like Jason said our first RPGY2 year like it was us three in the resident room for a long time so we got a um, good chance to bond and get to know each other and we try to do a lot of stuff we made it a point to do social stuff outside of work as a group to really bond which was fun I have a question. How do you guys, um, I because we I thought we were all excellent residents, how do you become a good resident? What's your definition of a good resident?
0: Guys? <laughs> Someone who shows up, works well together, is a team player, you know, all like the, the, it sounds trite and trivial, but you would be surprised <laughs> that people that, that not always that doesn't always happen. And then just um, you know, knowing and sometimes like in spinal cord injured brain injury, you'll know maybe like a day ahead of what kind of patient is coming in. So kind of reading up on that if, um you know, it's a brain injury and they're like minimally conscious, kind of going through you know what that means and the different levels and kind of just being able to show you're attending that, you know, you're interested. And even though that's not something you may want to do, it's still, you know, part of your residency and part of being a PMR physician and kind of, so yeah. when it comes to doing and what, once you graduate from residency, you're not done with the program. Dr. Hamilton always tells us that she will always need her for uh, always jobs or, you know, credentialing, things will come up. So you don't ever want to burn bridges
1: with the people you work with. In this mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had a huge dream. Be on time. Like, just show up on Didactics, time. Be
2: on yes. time. You can't do any of the other stuff if you're not there.
1: So. <laughs> Let, yes, yes. or be ahead of time is even better. If you can get there before you're attending, that looks even better. But don't be there after that. <laughs> that will piss them off.
2: Be prepared. Yeah, like Gina said, r- read up, you know, so you know. Either about your patients or about you know a condition that some of them, one of them has, so that you know about it and can offer some knowledge. And uh, yeah, always always be learning. Um, be willing to accept criticism. You know, not acting like you know everything already, because you clearly don't. <laughs> That's why you're in the residency to learn right. some more. But yeah, being humble enough to accept criticism and and uh, you know, but uh, you know if you do know if you read about it, offering what you do know and uh, sharing sharing the knowledge both with your fellow residents and with your attendings so you can discuss it. You know, if you're trying to do what's best for your patients, you know your attendings are not going to be, you know, they're not going to be upset about that if you disagree with them, um, or okay. offer another alternative solution.
1: Yep. What's up, Justin Gasper? He just said hi. <laughs> um, and I think being a team player, you said that earlier. But there's been plenty of time So when we took call at BIR on the weekends, the resident would be responsible for the mission. There's been times where we had 11 missions in one day or in a weekend. And these two have we've been like, I'll send me, I will write the H and P for you. Like I let me know if I need to come in and help you. So if you're a team player, like you treat people how you want to be treated. There's gonna be a time you're gonna be need need help. So just make sure you're able to offer that help. And I also think like when you're residency, residency is not Fun, (laughs) like like, it's fun, but like you're there to learn. So there's gonna be times where you're not going to like it, but that's just part of being in residency, right? And we're peaming our residents, so it's not like we're pushing 150 hours a week. So let's be honest, like we were there maybe 40. Yeah, we were working 40-hour weeks. Um, so learn who to complain to. So I have a funny story about. be complaining that I had to wait for I had an admission early on and I had to wait for my attending to come around with me and it was like four hours later and I was so mad about having to wait but like I just complained to Jason about it like I didn't complain to anyone else so I went and saw the patient with my attending and then like later on that night my attending sends out the email she's like I believe she was so gracious she waited for me and was, she was patient <laughs> and I was like see because I didn't complain to her, she didn't know. So know who to complain <laughs> because it could come back and bite you in the butt, or it can be something good. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll have someone like the dream team to complain to. <laughs> what else we got, guys? Anything
0: else? Any other questions out there? Great questions. Yeah, that was a good question, and Carter.
1: Well, I guess we'll um. Ready to wrap it up then, huh? Wrap it up, yeah.
0: Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Super fun to see you.
2: Yeah, thank you. It was good to see you guys, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Shrinking uh, back in action. Hopefully,
2: it's not 10 months again before
0: we see you. <laughs> I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still doing our IG takeover, so it's in the interim season is up and running, so feel free to reach out to us. We had um, Case Western, I think was our last IG takeover a couple of weeks ago. So Michigan Michigan Michigan. <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> um, so yeah, so please reach out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll be still posting daily content, but we are taking a break next week, um, but we'll be back on November 22nd. We have Dr. Marina who practices PR and palliative care. So that will be interesting to hear about because that is another option. To get fellowship trained in out of psychiatry, so we'll see you guys um, in two weeks. Bye. Bye.